Welcome to the Two Peas on a Pod podcast with Austin Griffiths and Zachary Coral. Thank you for coming and listening to us again today on this lovely Tuesday morning. Hope you're having a good day. And we are back with an on-the-road interview. And uh, we are back again. You already know who we got. You listened to them last week. Hopefully. It wouldn't make sense to listen to part two before part one. (laughs) But we've got Pastor Joey Holden and his wife, Sister Danielle Holden, with us across the table here, sitting in Brother Joey's office and uh, recording here. And uh, we appreciate them jumping on the podcast with us and sharing their personal testimony. I know sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do, but being willing to do that and uh, just to encourage somebody, if anything, to keep praying for your lost loved ones because it works. Amen. And uh, we appreciate them coming on here so much, and we've just enjoyed being with them. And uh, we've been with them, I think this is the second year in a row, We've been with you all, and we've got to stay this time a little longer than we did last time. Last time, we hit an ice storm. I did not bring it with me, but uh, I've been accused of that this week because we're Northerners. <laughs> and uh, But we had a terrible ice storm come, and I couldn't couldn't even come and really start revival till Tuesday. And uh, and then this week, we didn't start till Tuesday, too. <laughs> and uh, anyways, he, Brother Joey made the remark the other night he'd have us back in June. And... Uh, <laughs> And anyways, we've had a great time with them and uh, just love this church so much. And these people are awesome. And uh, y'all are doing a great work well, I don't right know here. We're doing a great work. They Old love Pass. my wife and they're great people. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we don't want to jump jump uh, too much into y'all's, y'all's story. So on the last episode, uh, I thought it went really good. I really did. I thought it went good. And uh, you was getting emotional talking about we're just – where the Lord had brought you from. And so we've made it all the way to you both were at Fairlands Camp Meeting. And uh, just kind of a recap, your marriage had really been in trouble. And uh, your wife was raised in Catholicism and Baptist. And now she's at a Holiness Camp Meeting <laughs> with a thousand people looking at her. And uh, as she said, and so very, very uh, different moment for her. And then you as a, a backslider, you, you kind of knew a lot of things of what you needed to do. And uh, and so now you're sitting on the altar at Fairlands, and the last thing you said when we went off the episode was you didn't know if you'd make it. I, I felt fairly confident at that time that we had turned a corner. I was getting a little bit better, <laughs> um, and uh, and we were growing. I mean, it was young. We was young, you know. It's always our fault. And uh, <laughs> well, most of it was in my case. I have to I have to be honest about that. But I was sitting there on that platform there, and the devil just. I mean, my wife sat down on one side of me. The devil sat down on the other. I've told this before, and it was it's never going to work. We went over to the fellowship hall. You made a comment about I knew certain things. I knew certain things that they preached about. I didn't really know why they preached about that. I I purposed. Well, I, I was meaning more like your grandparents. Yeah. and Like you had a, compared to your, yeah, your yes, bride, sir. you had yes, an sir. understanding of yes, I just didn't Holy want people point. to think that I made a, uh, a conscience effort that I was going to pray things through um, that I'd heard. 
We didn't go to church the next day. Of course, Fairland's going on. They got Saturday morning, Saturday night. Uh, Sunday morning, we didn't go, and we wound up going back Sunday night. And uh, kind of the, another comical aspect of that, you last week when we talked on this episode about us going out there on our motorcycle to uh, uh, to Fairland or to Bristow camp meeting and seeing Brother Shoecraft pointing his finger and saying, "Let's get." Then yo, you're on candid camera. <laughs> and uh, I thought you'd just keep and talking. She was scared <laughs> to death. She was scared to death um, the, um, of being there and Brother Shoecraft coming back the way. So we go back that Sunday night, and Brother Shoecraft's exhorting, and he's down there. And uh, of course, he's pastor of Fairland. And we was sitting up there in the balcony still, and he's up there exhorting, and he's got that finger. And my wife looked at him, and she looked at me, and she said, that's that same guy. I did. All of a sudden, I had a um, flashback. It was a nightmare experience for me for a minute. Because <laughs> all I could think was Bristow, you know, yeah. and that finger. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. We, uh, I, <laughs> I was lived, so scared of Brother Shoecraft. I lived in Texarkana, and we wasn't saved. Obviously, just got saved. Didn't understand that you could drive a different no ways. And so, since I lived in Texarkana, we decided to go to Brother Shad's. Now we were still going to Fellowship Bible. I, I'm purposed that I would not take her out of her comfort zone. I knew she had gotten saved. Mm-hmm. Some people would say I was right. Some people say I was wrong. Uh, but I will go into a little bit greater detail here in a minute on that. But So we went there on Sunday morning, and we went to uh, House of Prayer Sunday night and Tuesday night. Their midweek service is Tuesday night. And you're referring to House Bush of Prayer. Shad McDonald pastor there. 519 Graham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've Brother parked Shad there several McDonald. times. Yeah. Brother Dennis, he's there now. Yeah. Yes, sir. Brother Shad McDonald uh, was a help to me, man. He, uh, I, I hadn't been saved a week. And almost got in a fight on a job. It'd been it'd been a couple of years since I'd almost gotten a fight on a job. And somebody, man, the devil just used mm-hmm. them, another backslid guy, and I. And I'm not going to name names here, but another <laughs> backslid guy. And I, I, the old me, about come unglued, and uh, and Russia McDonald pulled around the corner, and said, "Man, let's go get something to eat." And I said, I, I told him, I was like, it must have been divine intervention for wow. you to be here. And uh, we no talked. doubt it was. Yeah, I, I I believe it was with everything. And uh, so he was good. He was good to me. Uh, man, he had talked to me. We'd pray. I'd always go by there in the mornings and pray. And uh, I always said that if and and I said this during this time, if I'm gonna make it, I, I believe she could have made it. And this is where some people might fall out with me. She was gonna have to perfect holiness in her heart, but that might have never led her to Fairland or House of Prayer. And she was gonna have to follow God. But I knew she was saved. I knew I could not be saved unless I had holiness in my heart. Now. I knew that, but I didn't know what all that entailed. I was still watching college football on Saturday. I, I, I didn't know there was anything wrong with that. I knew my grandparents thought something was wrong with that, and I knew they was real, and I knew they was right, but I didn't understand uh, why you know they, they joke about my grandfather being a television preacher. I mean, he could be preaching about the 
tabernacle in the wilderness, and he's going to find a way to hit TV somewhere in there, you know. So I knew that about him, but I didn't understand. I mean, obviously, there are certain things you have to stay away from. And so I began to pray that uh, that whatever that entailed, and I would fast until e- evening, from Sunday evening to Monday evening, every week, um, that God would give me a hole in his home. And and to have a hole in his home, I had to have a hole in his wife. I'm raising daughters. I got Paris is at that time three, and Micah's about nine months, something like that, seven months, something like that. And uh, I began to pray that God would give me a hole in his home. And my wife had already mentioned last week about, and, and I reiterated this, she's very studious. I mean, she'll she'll get in there and do the Greek the word studies, and uh, she she likes to learn. Went to University of Texas on math scholarships. I mean, she's, you know, I mean, I know people think that I'm smarter than her, but she's really smarter. <laughs> but but uh, she really, uh, man, anybody that would preach something, and 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 thankfully, I mean, Brother Shad was a very doctrinal preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was nothing really that you could say that he would take out of context in the Bible. And uh, I'm He's thankful amazing. for that. I'm <laughs> thankful for that. He's an amazing But preacher. we would have, well, there was one individual that come by, by, and I knew immediately. I mean, he was a younger, pre, you know, and he preached. And I'm like, I knew right then. I'm like, man, this is like way out of context. Dude, you don't know my wife's taking notes, and she's going to study everything you're saying. And so the <laughs> next day, she and I can't even remember what the thought was, but I laughed about it because I knew it was coming. He got home from work, and I had my notebook and my Bible, and I had my Strong's Concordance out. And I was like, (laughs) he didn't preach what was in the Word of God. He took that out of context. That is not in there. (laughs) That is so funny. But we began in 2010 as a a couple. Our girls were still young, and we still do this today. Um, We started in that year reading the Bible through as a family. Now, obviously, the girls were small, but since Paris has been – 13, I guess, is 12. I think she was 11. The first Le- time she okay, read it all 11 the way when she read it all the way through for the first time. Wow. And But we read that together. We just, you know, and then Perry, Mike, I think last year was the first year we started with her. But uh, we purposed in our heart we was going to read that together. And I, I wish I would have wrote the actual uh, text down, but we got toward the end of January. And uh, we was doing a mixed plan where you read a little bit of Old Testament, maybe mm-hmm. a Psalm and New Testament. And uh, I'd been praying this the whole time, God give me a holy home, whatever that entails. I knew that there was things he had to work on me. I mean, I had a, a terrible temper. Um, I, I, Anyway, I won't even go into that. I had just had a terrible t- temper. And uh, different things, you know, in the past and bitterness and just mm-hmm. all the stuff that – you know, that a divorced kid a lot of times goes through. You know, some a product of a divorced home. And we got into Exodus where uh, the children of Israel, Moses was uh, telling them that they were going to, uh, or God was telling Moses, excuse me, that they was going to go into the land and they were going to take the land. And he named the different tribes and the different uh, nations that were in that area. And uh, he said, I'm going to give you this land a little bit at a time, lest um, you going in, they spring up 
after you. In other words, you get past them and they revitalize and have strength and come and devour you from behind. And we got to that verse. We was reading it out loud. I'd read a verse, she'd read a verse. I'd read a chapter, she'd read a chapter. Sorry, moving my hands. But uh, we got to that scripture, and the first time it's ever happened to me in my life, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Uh, now, I had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost a few months prior to that. But as far as just a scripture jumped out to me that wasn't just all of the Word of God, it is the Word of God, but it was a word for me. Mm-hmm. And I knew immediately that he was telling me he was going to give me a hole in his home. Now, I'm 32 years old. I'm, I'm uh, you know, been living in the world for a lot of years. And I just, man, I just start crying. And outside of me getting saved, that was probably the first time my wife had ever seen me cry. We was expecting. Uh, I was going to say, you had already told us that crying didn't happen. Yeah. No, crying wasn't allowed. She's like, what in the world? Yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> was you just chopping onions? <laughs> But I didn't want to. I didn't want to tell her what had just happened mm-hmm. because it obviously implied her, you know. But it wasn't too long after that that um, God started dealing with her about the Fellowship Bible situation. You want to? You want to? Well, really, that whole situation because we were still going there on Sunday mornings, and um, I mean, I loved it there. I just did. Of course, there were people that lived like I lived. Um, and so I was comfortable there, I, you know, I fit in, so to speak. But the Lord started showing me um, how discontent he was there, and, you know, he didn't have the liberty to worship there like he did at, at House of Prayer. And so I started praying, and it was one of the harder decisions I, I had to make at that time because I had to forsake what I wanted and um, do what was best for him. And, and, and in my mind, that's what it was. It was doing mm-hmm. what was best for him. Now, I understand in the long run it was better for myself, my children, and him. Um, but I told him, I said, okay, we'll, we'll stop going on, on Sunday mornings. Now, at the time, I still stayed and worked on Wednesday nights in the children's um, program, the Awanas program that they had. But So we stopped going over there on Sunday mornings. But God was dealing with me, and, and, I, and I've told many people that I'm so thankful that we don't serve a God that gives us a checklist that says, okay, now you've prayed. Before you walk through the doors again, I expect this, 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 and this, and this to be different. Um, but he started working on you know one thing at a time. Because I was raised the way I was raised, and, and in the Catholic Church and in the Baptist as well, and I'm just doctrinally messed up, didn't know what I believed, really, the truth be told. Um I knew that I could not just change anything just because a man, whether it be a, a pastor or my husband, told me I had to because I knew that it, I wasn't going to stick to that. I knew right. my character enough to know that um, I'm stubborn, and um, I'm willing to admit that. Um, Amen. <laughs> but I knew that it was I knew that I was going to have to know why I was doing something. If I was going to for instance not cut my hair anymore, um I had to know why. You know, if I was going to not wear pants anymore, I had to know why. Um not just for myself, but I have a family, my my dad right. and, and all that they have no idea about any of this. Well, and really anybody. Yeah. And holiness. Yeah. And that's one thing I you know, I was raised in holiness, and it was sad to say that it was very common 
amongst young folks, including myself. That's how I know. Yes, sir. Why don't you do that? Uh, brother, so pastor so. told me not to. Yeah. Because so that that thought of, well, I know you preached it, but I need to know everything. You know, yeah. I don't want to just hear it in passing. Don't do this, this, and this. But tell me, explain to me the word of God, why God well, said not to do it. And during this process, she was told by a lady that we both love and loves us that. Um, I asked the question. I said, why do you just wear skirts? And she said, well, it's just what we've always it's done. What we've just, always what, done. just what we've always yeah, done. That doesn't work. It doesn't. And I knew that I was, I, I'm, I'm stubborn enough that that yeah. was not going, it wasn't going to be enough for me. And if I was going to be happy going to this other church where I didn't fit in, mm-hmm. then I had to know why they did what they did so that eventually maybe I could fit in. But I knew I was going to have to do it because God told me to. And God dealt with, you know, one thing at a time. It wasn't I hit an altar or stayed at my pew, which is what I did most time. I stayed at my pew and I prayed. And I know that had to have been now that we're pastoring. <laughs> I cannot imagine how much of a headache I was for Brother Shad and Sister Kathy. <laughs> um, because, you know, now I want people to come up to the altar, and, and, and I know that they wanted me to, and they, they loved me, um, you know, but I was different, and I was stubborn. I was. It wasn't I wasn't saved. I was just stubborn. Well, to know your background and to know, I mean, you're, you're a vast array of beliefs. <laughs> and so, you know, to know that you, you're not going to take to something as easy as, you know, to what Brother Joey may have. Yeah. But still that same concept, we need that. Yeah. Even being raised in holiness all your life. You're, if your pastor preaches the truth and everything, you ought to obey them. But when it comes down to it, you're going to heaven for yourself. That's right. right. And if somebody asks you, well, why do I do that? For one, every Christian ought to read the Bible. A lot of folks think you might have to be a preacher. You ought to read the Bible all the way through from cover to cover just because it's the manual to make it. That's right. But hopefully maybe that'll encourage somebody that maybe has no idea why she don't cut her hair or why she don't wear pants or whatever. Read the Word of God. Study it for yourself. We don't have time to go into all that at this moment, but we will eventually on this podcast because we're holiness. And I believe what I believe because I've read it there. Sure. I did, And my pastor's taught me that. It's in the Scripture. He told he's told me that several times, which is my father in law too. But he said, Don't just take my word for it. I'm teaching you the truth. I'm telling you that's the truth. But don't just take my word for it. Go home and read it and study for yourself. And guess what? When I did that and I went and looked at the Hebrew and Greek and I went and studied it, I found the same exact thing. Absolutely. And so it's something when you lay your own eyes on it. It is. And I think we have to have patience with those that or I would implore people to have patience with those that don't have a background, especially those that don't have a background in holiness, because there are those those girls out there like me that, um, A, have a whole lot of hurts from their past, um, but B, also, they, they literally don't know it, mm-hmm. and they don't know that they don't know it. And they need the time to be able to to hear it, yes, from a pastor, but also to read it and to hear it fra- straight from the mouth of God, um, because that's really whenever that's going to make an impact right. on a heart, you know, and where it's going to really, really change. And it's not just going to be written on a piece of paper. It's going to be etched in stone. And um, I, I, that's one of my passions. And, and, you know, I do. I We've talked a lot about it, um, that I desperately 
want the holiness folks to have more discipleship to where they are taught why, not just from behind a pulpit, yeah. but where they're taught why. Um, That's the, the exact reason why we are doing this year a Why I Believe yeah. series. That's good. And he's going, Brother Joey's going to be on it. That's the whole reason why is because we've got so many folks asking why. Yeah. Why? And things like that. As preachers and preachers' wives, whether it's Sunday school, whether it's, uh, you know, like you said, pastoring mm-hmm. and whatever, you know, we have a calling and a duty to bust holiness wide open. And instead of just a list of don't, 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 do, 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 it's of, okay, skirts. We're going to take four weeks, and you know, for example, yeah. and we're going to tell you every reason why you wear a skirt. And so if anybody had any question, they'll walk away and say, wow, that's what we need right and now. And if it's really going to stick, it's got to be born out of a relationship. A young couple gets married. There might be things that uh, the young lady does that uh, annoys the groom. He don't, if he has any wisdom, don't you know go off and fly off the handle or vice versa. But there's a relationship that as that trust grows um, – then there's things you can talk about that, you know, I really don't like that. Or I really don't, you know, but there's a trust there, and they know that they, um, the other one doesn't mean any ill hurt. Well, I know it's a kind of a poor analogy, but that's the closest analogy we can have as far as a people relationship to our relationship with God. And I, I preach it and I teach it that it has got to be born out of a relationship with God. And that's what we found in our and, in our walk with God and then and as God was transforming be. things. As God was moving, there were times that he would deal with me. Or no, no, I'm sorry. That he was dealing with me about other things, but my own pride was getting involved with you're the quote-unquote man of your house. You can tell her how to dress. You can tell her how to. But wait a minute. Yeah, God told me He was going to do it. <laughs> he was going to do it. Yeah. And there's a difference to dressing it, but if it's not in your heart, it, yeah. And there's certain things that she would have done for me, but it would have we wouldn't be where we're at right now. Yeah. But that's where God moved, and where God did, you know, help me to learn to trust Him. I love the song through it all. Um, I don't sing often in church. Um, but that's that's one that's one mm-hmm. song I love because I feel like it's my personal story. I learned to trust God. I learned to trust His Word, and I remember one of the the biggest um, points in in my learning to trust Him was when He walked me through the grief of losing my mom because I'd never really grieved. I was the oldest child, and um, and I remember walking through that grief for the first time, and He comforted me, and it was soon thereafter that um, that Chris was born and you can tell that story but i learned to trust him through that in april she uh just went through the normal uh process april 2010 of uh it's time for the baby to come and uh, number three number three and uh we uh I, i dropped her off went to the kids Dropped him off at my brother's house and then went to the, my job. Showed up at my job. Was going to lie my cruise out because I knew I was going to be hit and miss the rest of the week. And uh, when she called me and said they could not find a heartbeat. Up to that point, everything was normal as can be. As a matter of fact. I was 40 weeks. She was 40 weeks. and when they, when When they wow. finally, they wouldn't take the baby. They wouldn't C-section. 
And uh, so she had to go through the labor knowing that they had just, I mean, the heartbeat just stopped. Then we didn't, they offered to do an autopsy, but what difference did it make to us? Um, we chose not to do that. But I, I was going to say, when I got up there and she uh, delivered Chris, Dr. Bingham, uh, I mean, tears rolling down her face, man. Eight, ounce, uh, eight pounds, six ounces, no umbilical cord damage. There was no reason that they could see in a physical uh, situation. We have pictures of him, and he's perfect. Uh, he looks just like anybody. And, and what happened. Uh, but I'm a firm believer that, that God took him um, because he had a greater walk for us to do. Now, some people might not like that explanation, and I'm not saying that's not hard. There are times, though it's been a long time, that I'll still take my wife out there to the cemetery for her to put flowers on. You know, it's not something that I would probably do without her, but I'd do that for her. So it's hard, and so people probably wouldn't, well, why couldn't God do things in your life um, that he's already doing and give you your little boy? I can't explain that. Sometimes, I, Some things we just have to leave in the hands of God. Yeah. The only thing I can explain is this little Catholic bride of mine went from a point where she did not believe in the Holy Ghost to where, as she studied, okay, I believe in the Holy Ghost, and uh, when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, I need to tell a story about that here in a minute, but uh, (laughs) she, uh, (laughs) I know, I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, She... uh, Okay, I believe in the Holy Ghost, but I don't believe everybody gets the Holy Ghost. That's just for a few. Until okay, I believe it's for everybody, but not everybody gets it the initial way, that same way. Until that Sunday after we buried, that was on a Monday that he was born. We uh, buried him Thursday. We was in church Sunday morning. I need to stop right here because during that process of her um, questioning about the Holy Ghost. Um, we woke up one morning, it was work day, I was heading to work, she was getting my lunch ready, and uh, I, this is her testimony, really, because I didn't have anything to do with it, I didn't remember it. Um, but she asked me what I was dreaming about the night before, and I said, I don't, I don't dream, I don't remember dreams, that's something that's never been until recently, I guess it's old age, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, that that I, I I have or I do or I remember, and I said why, and she said because you were speaking in tongues last night. I believe the Holy Ghost was praying through me, and witnessing to her that if if He could do that through me, she knows me. She knew who I was and and the temper issues and my issues with my. Uh, the bitterness of, of, of the upbringing and just all the different junk and the four years of the Marines and that, uh, you know, all of that stuff that made me who I quote-unquote was. And uh, so fast forward, we were in church that Sunday morning, and uh, we're struggling, we're grieving, you know, we've lost our, you know, I mean, it's my little boy, you know. Yeah. I grab uh, I grab her by the hand and we go up front to get help. Mm-hmm. Just just wanted help. Yeah. And uh, the was the house of prayer there, and we they started praying for us. And uh, two mir- miraculous things happened there. 
the Holy Ghost come down, number one, and, and he manifested in two different ways. First of all, man, he just started comforting in our hearts. And it wasn't too long I looked over there, and she's got stammering lips. <laughs> she never had stammering lips before. And so we began to pray, and it wasn't too long just standing right there in front of the pulpit over a little bit on the women's side, but basically right there in the front. God baptized her with the Holy Ghost, man. It was powerful. Wow. It was powerful. I think sometimes through our, sour, our sorrow, that's when we get our strength. And that's it. what God did in that moment is he used our sorrow to give us his strength. He swapped it. He did. He did. <laughs> he did. He swapped it. But, I mean, that was, I mean, that was an immense sorrow. You can't imagine burying yeah. your little boy. Um, but he replaced it um, for that strength, and, and now – it's an it's an enduring strength. You preached on enduring hope the other day, but it's an it's an you know it's a strength that's that's kept me. And um, my exhortation last night. That's why I was chuckled. Was yeah. swapping your yeah. sorrow yeah. for yeah. strength. Yep. Yeah. I didn't even think about that when I just said it, but yeah. And if I'm rem- <laughs> if I'm remembering the sequence of events, I mean it was definitely the same service, but I think she got filled with the Holy Ghost before, and I was just weeping, man. I mean just. And the sorrow was gone momentarily. I mean, we're still going through it, but I was just weakness. My wife that I've seen God do, and He promised me way back in mm-hmm. in the end of January, and here we are in April. It's just three, four months, you know, and uh, that He's filling her with the Holy Ghost. I mean, we're in a, we're in a, we're going in in the right direction, and it got that 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 uh, yeah, I can explain it better now than I could then, but that that holy hush come in the, in the sanctuary mm-hmm. and uh god used brushad in a, what i'm gonna say a word of prophecy mm-hmm. but in that word of prophecy i had him write it down i haven't found i haven't seen it in quite some time but i've had the, i have the paper somewhere but in that word of prophecy um the word went out that um i the lord have chosen you for the furnace of affliction and I will remove the reproach from off your name, and you shall lift up my name in the sanctuary. Wow. And I knew right then and there God wanted me to preach. I still long ways from preaching, brother. I ain't a holiness church, and that's what I knew that I had to be. Mm-hmm. And... uh it just, it just miraculous, miraculous. I, we can go out to miracles after miracles. God started dealing with me. I didn't want. I'm, I'm adverse to change. I think it'd be safe. To, it I'm, I get my routine. <laughs> I get my. I'm adverse to change. And God started dealing with me to go to Fairland. I didn't know why. Um, I didn't understand. And so I talked to. I, to try to do everything right, you know. So what is she thinking at this moment? Because um, she's terrified. <laughs> yeah, I just, I really didn't know what to what to think. I mean, honestly, the big church of Fairland scared me, you know. Well, and I, we were going to talking about the finger. Oh, the finger. Yeah, yeah the finger. <laughs> You're talking about brother. Yeah. Well, at that point, I was pretty scared of brother Shad too. So. <laughs> She I mean, still was going through a process where where someone screaming was a negative thing. It was. Somebody uh-huh. started yelling, and I shut down. And so it was well, hard. I do want to mention this because I have mentioned this because I, I 
I have a major problem with the world trying to dictate to our young ladies. Uh, I've got a beautiful wife, and I've got two beautiful daughters, and I've got a real problem with the world trying to dictate and tell the um, what beauty is. And uh, I remember in that process, uh, she was still just wearing just, I mean, and she never wore a lot, just a real light makeup. And to be honest with you, there was people that never left, quote, unquote, holiness and still going to holiness church, young married couples that was, I mean, that they were the same, to be honest with you. And we could go out with some couples and not look like, you know, the sore thumb, you know. We, mm-hmm. we kind of fit in, quote, unquote, you know. And uh, I began to really question, even though I know God gave me that promise, the devil, it, 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 was a, it was a trial, trial of my faith. And I remember the question, what's the big deal of a little bit of makeup as long as it's in moderation? Now, I know now that every time in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, uh, when they would go uh, in, in the words of the Old Testament, in the words of God, a whoring after the gods of the people in whose land they dwelt, it, it always accompanied a mascara and cosmo- uh, uh, what's Cosmetic. the word? cosmetics and uh, pagan idol worship and prostitution. All, all that stuff was coming, but I didn't know that then. Mm-hmm. I, even though I'd read the Bible through, you know, or was reading the Bible through, that stuff didn't register on, you know, in me. And so I began to pray, God, what's the big deal? I mean, you know, what's – I don't understand what the issue was. If and you it, needed it, you'd have been born with it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I I began to pray. And I think because he – obviously, he knows everything. He knows the integrity of my heart. I, I was asking in a, in, a, uh, in a sincere way. I wasn't trying to get around something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, as sure as I'm sitting there, God spoke to me in as audible a voice as I'd ever heard outside of that time I was reading the Bible. and That one time you read the Bible? Uh, yeah, ever. well, the time he gave me that promise. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And uh, he spoke to me and said, it's another way that Satan has convinced the world what God created perfect he can add to. He can make better. He can make better. Yeah. And, uh, man, I... Uh, I prayed to about that. I prayed to about questioning that. Fast forward, we go. I, I went and uh, talked to Brother Shad. Brother Shad said, "Man, I think that's a good thing for you to do," which was weird. Yeah. What I didn't know is he already knew that he was probably going to be leaving. He was going to re- be resigning the church. So, I, but I didn't know any of that. And I, you know, they went through a time before Brother Heath got there. I, you know, that probably would have been bad for us. You know what I mean? No pastor. We was going through a formidable time, and so. But I, I didn't know all that. I just knew God dealt with me to go. I went and talked to Brother Shad. He said, "Man, that's that's a good thing for you, Brother Shoecraft, to help you." I went and asked Brother Shoecraft if he would mind if we come. I tried to do everything in the way that I should do it. And, of course, they thought. He said, yeah, I don't have a problem, but I'm going to call him. I was like, well, go ahead. I've already talked to him. But, and uh, so we went there, and uh, it was there that God called me to preach, that uh, God just started uh, doing a greater work. We had another stillbirth, um, and God moved in that and grew us a little bit more. And um, actually, it was right after our second stillbirth that you accepted the call to preach. Yeah. And that was another time whenever God turned that sorrow 
again. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that he, when, when that, that word wow. of prophecy went out, I knew that I was going to have, I, I mean, God wanted me to preach. Here I am, 35 years old, brother. I mean, I, you know, you don't usually start preaching at 35 <laughs> these days. You know, in all fairness, as a 10-year-old boy, I, I, I felt like God wanted me to preach. And that's probably why I never got the Holy Ghost when I was a kid, because I didn't want to preach. Because my grandfather died, my, you know, the situation with my dad and mom, and I don't really want to get in it. My dad's still alive. I mean, I've preached about it as God's dealt with me. But um, I just, uh, I never thought I'd preach the gospel. It was, it was as far away from me as, as possible. And... Uh, I I, uh, I took a job in Oklahoma, but before I did, Brother Shoecraft, as I accepted the call to preach under him, he wanted me to preach. And uh, <laughs> funny thing, I got up there at Fairland, and of course everybody, you know, I've been God's been using me to testify. I mean, you know, I mean, it mm-hmm. was everybody in the building knew I was called to preach except me, and and I knew, but you know, yeah, and me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, but. Uh, I got up there, and Fairland has a uh, the the mic stand on the pulpit has a a, a hinge a hinge, and I opened my Bible, <laughs> and it hit the edge of that hinge, and it fell before I took the mic off. <laughs> and when it come to the bottom uh, of the hinge, the mic dropped and it fell on the on the floor. I was like, "What a way to start a ministry!" Right here. <laughs> a mic drop at but the very I, beginning. <laughs> not the kind of mic a holy drop you mic want. drop. I got up and preached about twenty minutes, my first time, and the uh, Lord helped us and had a good altar, uh, had a good altar service, and uh, man, we just uh, we moved to Oklahoma, began to have more doors open to me. As you know, there was a lot, there was a few churches that had Saturday night. They'd want me to come preach, and I'd go preach. And one of those places, uh, I'm, I'm probably fast forwarding some things, but. Uh, one of those places was Burnett Mission, one of the oldest holiness churches in the state of Oklahoma. And Oklahoma's got wow. a great history. And uh, a lady got healed on a Saturday night. And uh, I still, I was obviously working. I wasn't full-time. But a lady got healed Saturday night. Brother Paul heard, asked us to come back for Sunday morning and Sunday night. And uh, we did. Then he asked me to go to Wednesday. And we wound up going three weeks in revival. I worked every day. But I was done. It was about a 35-minute drive. I didn't work Saturday and Sunday, but mm-hmm. I worked Monday through Friday those three weeks. And when we got done, we pulled back in the bridge. I was done. The last night, nowadays you probably would never end that revival unless you just really God spoke to you or something. The last night of that revival, there were three, I'm not talking about backsliders, unchurched sinners in the altar. Well, My brother had come up to be in revival. He was pastoring a little church in Montague, Texas. And he's like, are you sure? But I was emotionally and, and, and spiritually drained. I mean, work and all, you know, mm-hmm. and, and my first revival goes three weeks. And we pull into Oklahoma and we We're see. We pulled into Bristow, yeah. Or, yeah, Bristow, <laughs> rather. And uh, late that Friday night, and we see a, a, a Brother Douglas and Sister Cecily Meadows' vehicle and another friend of ours that's real good friends of ours uh, vehicle to restaurant. So we just pull in there. At that night, I sealed <laughs> our fate. I made the dreaded comment. Well, I didn't know it at the time. I said the Lord would really have to work on me for us to be evangelists. <laughs> Six months later, he'd quit his job and we were full-time on the road. <laughs> it, my wife made a comment one time about 
she knew she was going to be in the ministry. She had had dreams. She'd had, yeah, you know, a pastor's daughter. She said, you know, I just, I think I'm going to be in the ministry. Mm-hmm. And my exact words were, I, she didn't marry a preacher. Yeah. And I was filled with the Holy Ghost, but no preacher. And I said, you married the wrong person. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> I have counseled many young ladies, Do don't ever say, say never. <laughs> Yeah. Because the, as sure as you're standing yeah. there, the Lord will have you do it. Mother, my mother-in-law actually made the same statement. Yeah. You know, She had told my wife that she had thought she was going to marry an evangelist and mm-hmm. travel the country, and uh, she married me. Yeah. She's like, you know, he's not a preacher. You're just going to stay here and help the church. And her mom was, her mom and dad, I think, were excited about her staying there. Sure. I don't know how excited they were about me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but the Holy Ghost had put his approval on it. Yeah. He spoke. Yeah. And, uh, and told me to move there. But anyways, this ain't my testimony. But the point was, I said the exact same thing. Yes. And uh, I've done several things I said I wouldn't do. <laughs> well, you're going to be doing a kids' that, crusade next, yeah. as you said, never during this. So, buddy, you better start planning it now. That was in February of 2014. Yep. By the end of July, Fairland, I had quit my job, a job I loved. I loved welding. I loved operating. Yeah. But it, it had become miserable to me. Plus, I was getting to a place oh. where I was as I was being asked to preach different things, and it was just very difficult for me to hold down to a get full-time in that job. Mode of it's either one or the other. Yep. you yeah. can't continue. And we went we went full time uh, there in pretty much August. Uh, we kicked off our deal. Went and spent eleven days there in Honduras. Oh. I cried so bad whenever he told me he was quitting his job. And that we were going to be full-time on the road. Because I didn't even know what an evangelist was, really. I didn't know what all it entailed. I had no idea. And um, I was nervous every time we walked in a new church there for a little while. Yeah, people don't understand this about my wife. My my wife is a big part of my ministry, obviously. Because I can can go to a fellowship hall and go get in the back corner and and sit there. and, And But she's the kind of outgoing she'll throw herself out there but it wasn't always that way Mm -mm. god really had to help her do that uh she's always been friendly but you know you're going into i mean she didn't go you know i had friends that were preaching uh for people that they went to youth camp with and that's awesome she didn't Mm -hmm. go to youth camp with any of these people she didn't she didn't grow up with any of these folks and uh, that was a very difficult thing now she's got friends all over the countryside that she thinks highly of, and they think highly of her, but that was a very hard process. And it would have been very easy um, if if God wouldn't have started to open doors early for me to have just said, this isn't the will of God, and go back out there and start working again. And because I know good preachers that I believe they're called to evangelize, that this didn't happen to them. Everybody's got to, you know, got to go the way God has opened doors for them and dealt with them. But that first year we was out there, and most of them was breakout revivals. I had a few things scheduled, but uh, we preached uh, fourteen or fifteen meetings. Now some of them was just three nighters in that first year. Uh, but they were, I mean, I'd say ten of them were breakouts. You know, mm-hmm. I, which I had the Payton Tabernacle meeting, which was a two week week meeting at the time scheduled. But I look back that second year because we got out in some areas, and and you know. God just opened doors. I can't explain it because I know great preachers that didn't. It didn't happen like that for them. I can't explain that. I mean, 
but they can probably, you know, they can tell stories about how God moved in them that I can't understand. Yeah. So I, I laugh about this, but I think it's so funny, too, because I, I was a little older, too. So I, I probably had more of a greater say that I always liked to read. Now, I wasn't reading doctrinal books, but yeah. I, I read a lot of history books. So I always had, uh, you know, maybe a greater knowledge than somebody that was well, 20. Also, yeah. with age comes Life. more automatic trust, I Life guess you could say. Yeah. Somebody's more apt to trust a 35-year-old than a 20-year-old yeah. or a 21-year-old. Life experience. You got the, you know, the story that that's relatable, you know, the different things. That, but uh, that second year, we preached 24. And I tell people, 24 meetings, that I couldn't have done it the first year. Because yeah. fourteen or fifteen, whatever it was, exhausted me that first year, mm-hmm. you know. And then after that, we was usually around. You know, God had opened the door where we was around thirty meetings, and she would she would tell me. But we and I, I didn't have young kids either. By this time, Micah was six. Say, I don't and, think I could handle thirty in and, one year. And Paris was ten. <laughs> grace, grace, God's uh, grace. <laughs> and I, I didn't have those young kids, so I mean, everybody's situation is a little different. But that, that was, those weeks where we was eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, I think was a long of consecutive weeks where we was only traveling on Saturday, you know, on the, the weeks off and uh, pre-COVID. Yeah, pre-COVID, it was definitely yes. pre-COVID. It was saying, definitely pre-COVID. You'd be lucky to get thirty in a year yeah. now. And it was exhausting, but it was such a wonderful time. And I really, now that we're pastoring, I love pastoring. But there's there's things that I miss about the road, and and as as uncomfortable as it was at times, and as faith stretching as it was at times, because there were times when we needed the calendar to get filled. I remember going to March meeting, and taking taking the the calendar and laying it on the altar. I remember doing the same thing at ministers meeting, and it stretched our faith, and it you know it mm-hmm. caused us to to grow in that way. Um, but man, God was so good to us. And well, after uh, all the years is. you all made it, I'm approaching my third year, so it gives me hope. Yeah, yeah. God, it's so good. Well, you're gonna be years. doing a kids' crusade soon, so you know, yeah. fasten your seatbelt, brother. <laughs> my but wife's it, listening, like, no, he's not. But it was time. It, it's, a, it's amazing that uh, that it was time. My kids were Paris was 14, Micah was 11, but. Regardless of that, I wasn't just going to jump into pastoring a church because, you know, I mean, I tell some young young people here that the worst thing you can do is is uh, you know it'd be better to not be married wishing you was married than being married and wishing you wasn't, you know. And I view that very similar to pastoring a church. You don't yeah. want to pastor the wrong church. They might be great people, but right. you just might not be the person or the man for the job. Just to be in the will of God. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, you got to be in the will of God. And uh, it's another story of how we've, uh, you know, how we wound up here, and just a great group of people, and God's added to the church. And uh, man, we it was probably fifty-five, sixty when we came, and. Uh, had some folks move in, had a couple move out, lost, you know, the, that transition time and some new converts. So if we have everybody, we have 80, 85 folks there. Closer to 90. Closer to 90. But, you know, then again, man, it's COVID time, so you don't never know. I just say all that to say that, you know, if if it's God's will and when it's God's will or where God's will is, it don't matter if it's 25 or 125 or somewhere in the middle. Yeah. That's where it's at, and you'll be right. happy and content. And God has 
when we look back over our life, it's amazing that I can see. They sung that song the other night during your revival. At some point, uh, there was Jesus, uh, and you can you can see that. But at the time, sometimes you can't see it. God's never been. say never, though. I think that's your title, brother. Yeah. Never say never. <laughs> never say you'll never be a Pentecostal because you'll wind up one, even if you're a little Catholic girl. <laughs> that's pretty good. Never say that you'll never recover from stillbirth or some other sorrow because you will. Never say never. Also, God. That you won't be an evangelist because sure enough, God will make you do it. Never say <laughs> never on being doing a kids' crusade. <laughs> Where's the list, brother? <laughs> She's going to pray one in on me. I guarantee it. I, am. I, I might just have you schedule one for them here <laughs> so I can see it happen. I guarantee it. <laughs> My oh, life would boy. be complete. <laughs> The first time I turned down a meeting. <laughs> oh, brother, you better pray. You're like, she's going to be like, this is the most bland crusade I've ever met. I know a guy that does do them. I'll just kind of forward that number over. Yes, yes, yes. God's um, been good to the Holdens. He has. He been has. good to my family. Well, that's great. I, I think it's a, a great testimony, and I know you condensed a lot of it. You could probably go for hours. I, I, I think you've uh, just hit the highlights. I thought I thought it was great. We appreciate you having us. Yes, very much so. Well, I've sure enjoyed you all being on the podcast as well, and I know whenever this comes out that our listeners will also. And I tell you, you all have covered a plethora of topics um, that I quickly want to address before we get off here. And, you know, if there's somebody listening today that's backslid, I think that your testimony can tell them, you know, you can come home. You can get saved. If there's somebody out there today that's dealing with false doctrine, just like you were, Sister Danielle, if they're dealing with uh, Calvinism in the Baptist Church, or if they're dealing with Catholicism in the Catholic Church, you know they can find the truth. They can find the right doctrine. And uh, you know, if someone's lost someone, if they're grieving from death or tragedy, you know, God can comfort them. If you're seeking comfort, if you're seeking God, He can comfort you and help you just like He did with these precious people right here. If you're seeking the Holy Ghost, if you're wondering if God's real, if the Holy Ghost is real, you can study it for yourself and you can know that God is real. You can know that sanctification is important. You can know that it's vital. You, it's required. You can know that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is real. It's for everybody. Or maybe you're questioning holiness. You want to know why, just like you, Sister Danielle, did. Maybe you're wanting to know why. You can dive in the scriptures just like she did. You can ask questions and know that holiness is right. And uh, maybe you're being called into the ministry like Brother Joey here was. Um, you know, you can. there's a lot of things you can take away from this great testimony of these two here. Or maybe God's trying to change your ministry. There's whatever you're going through in your life. I think that this testimony right here could help you. And I, it, I know it's already helped me. I've enjoyed it. But if you'd like to send us some feedback of anything this testimony has done for you all, if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at 2peace21 at yahoo.com, T-W-O-P-E-A-S-2-1 at yahoo.com. We will see you next time. In this race of life I've run, the Lord says to me, my child, well done. There will be no regrets for me.